Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back or welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy and I help spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. And this week I'm talking with Pradeep Sangha. And we talk, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about masculinity and femininity and, well, as usual, we talk about all of the things. One thing he talks about is doing things for other people. And I want to just tap into that for a second. Where in your life are you following your dreams, your true desires, what your heart and your soul craves? And where might you be following someone else's dreams? You know, this can show up in huge parts of our lives, obviously, in career, in life, and everything we do. It can also show up in little things like, you know what? Turns out I don't like Brussels sprouts, and I've been eating these all these years because somebody told me I liked Brussels sprouts. I, for one, like Brussels sprouts, but that's just an example. So now we're going to get into it. Pradeep helps entrepreneurs win in business and life. His personal mission is to help men live more fulfilling lives, have passionate relationships, and raise happy families. Without any more babbling from me, here is this week's episode. Go forth and be awesome. What are you excited about right now? So I'm excited about where things are going right now and the direction of the male entrepreneur and the work that we're doing and just having the conversations with men and helping men because there are very few resources out there specifically for men and men are, we, we have a pride, right? We have this, this wall sometimes that we put up, excuse me, that, that if we need help or we're struggling, we got we to gotta force our way through. We got to use brute force, persistence, right? That's what we're trained to do as men. Um, or we cower. And so men don't ask for help as much as they need to. So I'm excited about being able to deliver those resources to the men, especially the entrepreneurs out there, to help them uh, in their business and in their life. So I'm super excited about that. My main focus over the last number of years was working with higher ticket entrepreneurs. And when I mean higher ticket, um, people that are... I would say in a higher uh, income bracket, but over the last year or so, I really changed my delivery and changed my business model to focus on the everyday average entrepreneur because the resources out there are very limited for them. And so that's what I'm excited about is as having some programs out there for the everyday person that can afford it and actually take their life and move forward with it. What, sets your soul on fire. Oh, it's just, it really is seeing people do amazing things and seeing people smile. People live to, I think this concept of living to full potential, I'm going to take it from a different angle. I think anybody can create the potential that they want to have. And so that is what I'm excited about is helping people just live a life that's at a completely different level. That's what fires me up is when I talk to someone and I see the lights go on in their head, and they do something different or they live their life differently that has a major impact, whether it's in their relationship or in their business or how they are as a parent. That's what really drives me because I know that is going to have a, it's going to have a ripple effect. Now, the biggest thing for me is just looking back in terms of the struggles that my parents faced as immigrants coming here and my dad being an entrepreneur 
if he would have had some resources, he would have been able to live a different life. And so for me, that's what really drives me is just a, it's just a simple thought or a concept that can change a person's life can have a ripple effect throughout basically generations. So that's what fires me up. Oh, I love that. So did your how old were your parents when they came here? Oh, they were in their early 20s. They immigrated in the, in the early 70s. And my dad literally came here with, I think he said $11 in his pocket and just worked hard. That's their, that was their biggest skill is really work ethic. And they taught me how to work hard. My first job was at nine, at nine years old. I was out there in the orchard working my butt off. So, and I also saw a different side to life. I also saw the, the struggles, but I also saw the beauty, uh, as we, you and I talked about before jumping uh, live here, is growing up on an orchard and the simple things in life and the mindfulness and just having a very peaceful upbringing from that perspective really gave me something that I think a lot of people do not live with these days, especially the newer generation. You know, we don't see the kids running out in parks as much as we, as they were. They're not riding their bikes. They're not out there playing in the fields. So I think society is changing, but I was lucky enough to experience it from a different perspective and teach that to my children. Mm. How do you teach it? Oh, just by being aware. I think the biggest thing is being aware. Sometimes as parents, I know we, uh, we can get caught up in the day-to-day things, especially as an entrepreneur. So being aware of what your children are doing is, and, and actually it takes one step before that. It's actually being aware of what you, what you're doing. And a lot of times when we're busy, we're not aware of what we're doing and the impact that we have and just being mindful. So a big component of what I work with entrepreneurs on is mindfulness. It's really being in the present moment is being focused on the energy that they have today, because the only impact that, you have that I have the listeners have is in this moment right now. You know, you're, you're an athlete. You can't run a race tomorrow. You can't run a race yesterday. You can only run a race right now and you can only practice right now. And so that is where we have most of our energy. And so utilizing that energy is very effective. So simple awareness, uh, being, I, I like to be in touch with my kids. I'd like to spend that one-on-one time. I like to shut off technology and just be present with my kids just looking them in the eye and just seeing where, you know, where their soul might be. It's interesting. I was just with my kids and and visiting my mom in her hometown and just watching my kids dance in the rain. And I was sitting there underneath the deck and it was pouring rain. And I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to wait till the rain is done. And then I see my kids just running around in the rain. And I was just like, wow, you know, that's such a simple thing. And I just kind of walked out there with them. I said, wow, this is just, this is cool. So presence is absolutely important in terms of teaching our children and emotional intelligence and just being aware of things outside of technology, outside of themselves, giving back. Those are all just simple concepts that I think a lot of parents uh, essentially teach their kids as well. I love the, the feeling I get when you're talking about seeing your kids dancing in the rain. Because what is it that drove you initially under the shelter oh it was habit it was habit it was not being it was this concept of okay i'm going to get wet and then not being in the present moment because if i get wet it means i have to go inside change my clothes and it's going to be inconvenient and so i took myself out of the present moment i just said in this moment right now what would be a cool thing to do 
hey, maybe just get wet a little bit and said, you know, go up there and experience the rain. And it was the best feeling ever. And I was just, just watching my kids in that moment, my daughter, because my wife came out, my mom came out. They're like, oh, the kids are getting wet. They're getting dirty. I'm like, just let them play. They're getting soaked and they're loving it. So just let them be kids. Yeah. And it's so interesting, the places that we can say we don't plan ahead. Really, we're being present. And yet, look at that. Look at the the rain goes to, I'm going to be wet. I'm going to be uncomfortable. My clothes are going to get soggy. I'm going to need to change my clothes. I might need a towel. I might drip on the floor. I, I might get cold. I might need a hot shower afterwards. Oh, I get to have hot cocoa after. Like the, the spiral goes so quickly. Yeah, it's just one rabbit hole after the next. You just kind of go down. And then before you know it, it's very interesting because from a neuroscience perspective, we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, the average human brain. And 47% of the time, we're not even in control of those thoughts. Those are stray thoughts. So that's so interesting when you think about half the thoughts that we have as a human being aren't even the thoughts that we're in control of. It's just you, we start thinking about one thing. And as you mentioned, our thought is completely in a, in a different direction and a completely different spiral. Yeah. And it's not until, even with mindfulness, even as we pull ourselves back and notice our thoughts, I'm sure we're still not seeing all of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's so much more. In it. It's funny. I always have to remind myself that that there's so much more for me to learn out there when it comes to specific things. You know, I like to consider myself an expert in certain areas, but then just when I think I am, I, something new comes by and it's like, mm, I got a lot more to learn. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that we're learning. I love, I'm a big fan of the beginner's mind versus the expert mind. So it's a Zen concept that in the, beginner's mind there are many possibilities in the expert's mind there are few yes that's very true and curiosity is such an important thing for people to have but i think it it goes back to what you said is beginner's mind is so awesome and there's lots of you know we could talk about the science and the research behind it but it's so true and i i this this is what i try to pull people out of is getting perspectives from different people from different areas from different angles because you're right you can throw 10 engineers in a room together and say, solve this problem. And they will solve the problem, that very specific problem very well. But you can throw 10 different people from different disciplines together and ask them to solve that problem. And they will solve it better long-term and be more strategic. And actually it will be a better solution at the end of the day. So I think you're absolutely right. The more we know sometimes, the more narrow-minded we become. Knowledge can actually be our biggest challenge in life. Yes. So you talk about how you help men win. That was win. It sounded like when, <laughs> but I said win as opposed to lose. What does winning mean to you? <laughs> well, winning me, to me means something completely different to other people. So winning to me means being um, healthy, being vi- vibrant, being joyful, being at peace, having my family at that level of being able to create experiences for them and do what we want when we want and be a healthy, loving family. For me, that is winning and also contributing to society, making this world a better place. Ultimately, that is what's winning uh, for me. For other men, it depends. A lot of men are winning comes down to just pure financial success. 
a lot of uh, it's, it's traveling the world. It's having a better relationship. So I think winning is different for different people. My goal in working with men is really to help them understand uh, that winning isn't just one particular thing. There are more items and there's more components and more categories to winning because a majority of men that I work with are focused on revenues, profits, and growth and business success as winning. That's what they consider winning. And so they need to have targets. They need to have goals outside of that in terms of what's their relationship goal? Because if they don't have a goal, it's tough to win if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a target outside of your business. And so that's why they need to have that. And that's, that's part of the work that I do is, okay, what's your goal as a father? What's your target as a husband? You know, what are these things that you can do outside of your business to live a more fulfilling life, a more abundant life? Uh, there's a lot of people I work with that are very successful, that make eight figures every single year, but they are not happy. They are not happy with themselves. My main goal, if I was to sum it up in this single sentence, is for, for someone to win, is to be the man and entrepreneur that they dream of being. That, to me, is them winning. Which comes first, the man or the entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely the man. You have to, be, you have, to have the behavior, the habits, and the belief and the faith to be able to get to that level that you want to be. So in order to be a millionaire, you have to have the mindset, the emotional intelligence. You need to have the wherewithal, the alignment to be a millionaire. Yes, you can become a millionaire without having that. And I've seen that many times. But the moment that you lose that money, it's tough to get back. When you have everything aligned, if you are, I'm going to say, a millionaire inside, you can create millions over and over again. That's why you see people that have lost their fortunes through, through whether economic downturns or whatever it might be, and just rebuild it right back up. It's because they are the man that they want to be in order to be the entrepreneur that they need to be. Hmm. I want to back up. Mm -hmm. How did you get here? Like, all right, let's take it back to the orchards in Kelowna or further. We can go back through your family history, start wherever you want. And how did you get here? <laughs> well, I had a very uh, interesting, to me, it wasn't very interesting, but now that I look back at it, it was very interesting upbringing. So again, as I mentioned, my parents were immigrants. They moved here from India and it was an interesting way I grew up because all of our family was within a specific town and they had all immigrated from India. I was born here, but they they had no education, so they all worked on orchards. And it just so happened that we all worked on orchards in the same vicinity, sometimes for the same people. And we grew up in a very family-oriented environment up until our families actually bought our own orchards and started working in there. So it was family businesses. So from that perspective, it was very unique. From the other flip side, worked up, working my, grew up working my butt off, basically, from the time I was nine years old. I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning, working 12 hours a day, sometimes seven days a week. Other kids were having summers or working in the grocery stores. I was in the orchard. And that really taught me work ethic. And on top of that, I had a grandfather that was in the army that had retired from the army and immigrated to Canada. My dad was an ex-police officer in India as well. And they really taught me the importance of being a man. 
of values, staying true to your words. My grandfather used to say to me, he said, you know, people can take your money, they can take your home, they can even take the people that you love because he's seen it. He said that you can take the shirt off your back, but the only th the thing that they cannot take from you is your values. They cannot take away who you are as a man. And so that really stuck with me. And so his discipline, his integrity is really something that I grew up with. And while a lot of other people that I saw chase, uh, my friends, chase success, chase careers, I really focused on myself. I really focused on being a person that I was proud of being. And I can't say that I was always like that because there were times in my life where I wasn't. There were times in my life where I struggled and I had to find my path again. But I, I really got into whether it was just by grace or a gift or whatever it was, I had some good mentors. I had the hunger for knowledge. I really had a huge hunger for knowledge. And I started studying neuroscience and psychology way back when, mindfulness, meditation. My family was very religious, but I took that from a spirituality standpoint. And my parents said to me, hey, look, pretty, we don't want you to struggle like we struggled. We want you to get an education. So I grew up uh, very strong in the academic world. I went, I've been to a number of different business schools. And I got, you could say, kind of caught up in the corporate world. And so I went down the path of being a successful executive. And I, I pretty much had it all, you could say, on paper. I had uh, a young kid at the time, a beautiful wife. But I was miserable. I was literally miserable inside. I was living a life that I thought other people wanted me to live. And I think so many of us are caught up in that trap of trying to chase success and do things a certain way and keep up with the Joneses. And it just inside, we know it's not right, but we fool ourselves into believing that's the way we need to live and that's the way we need to be. And I literally just walked into work one day and I quit. I was a very successful executive. I have everything laid out in front of me. My goal was to be a CEO of a major corporation. <clears throat> and I just walked in and I quit and everybody looked at me like, are you crazy? Are you nuts? What's wrong with you? Even my own parents said that to me. They said, what's, you had everything. What are you doing? And I said, this is something I need to do. Because there was a moment when I was a kid, I remember this when I was playing on the driveway with Hot Wheels. And I said, I was maybe seven or eight years old. And I said, I want to be the owner of my own company. I don't know where that came from. And I said, I want to do good things for people. That's, that was my mission. And I, that was always in the back of my head. So when I quit, one of the things that uh, I knew was that I wanted to help people. I was a personal trainer at 17 years old. And that was kind of my passion was to help people transform their lives. And I was also, as an entrepreneur, helping people on the side. There were friends, friends of friends that would say, hey, pretty, you know, you've done this in business. What would you suggest I do? And so I would help them and grow their businesses from that standpoint. And that was kind of a part-time gig. So when I quit, I was like, okay, maybe I'll try this full-time because I have nothing else right now. And it just so happens that the industry I was in, which is the financial industry, is a very small world. And people at the executive level know each other. And I, when I quit, I had, I didn't know this, but I had burned a lot of bridges. And people, because they, they had invested a lot into me and they, they wanted me to do certain things. And when I said, no thanks, I'm going to do my own gig, they weren't so happy. And so that confirmed to me how 
life is when you're not working for yourself, when you're working for someone else, when you put your hands in someone else's or your destiny in someone else's hands is ultimately they have control and they're looking after their own interests. But I, I, I kind of got into the coaching world, you can say, and I started coaching people from a business perspective. That was the most interesting thing because here I was, and I did not know this, that most business owners do not know how to run a business. And I'm very straight up from that perspective. Most business owners do not. And that's why they struggle so much. That's why they're not able to see the growth that they want to have. And so it was just a huge eye opener for me that the simplest concepts that I had studied over decades and implemented and executed that business owners were not taken advantage of. <clears throat> Excuse me. And <clears throat> sorry about that. But I just literally just I jumped into it and said, okay, I got to help people. So I was helping them and I would give them these business strategies and I would say, okay, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to execute on. And then I noticed that they weren't executing on it. And I would sit back and be like, oh, this is interesting. Why are they not doing this? So I'm literally giving them the blueprint right in front. This is how they can make more money and they're not doing it. And I noticed that I could give two people the exact same strategy and one person would knock it out of the park and the other person wouldn't. And I kind of said, what's the difference? And then the more and more I got into it, I realized, okay, it was really what I call the self-mastery skills behind it. It was really their ability to control their thoughts, their mindset, their beliefs, make, take action, and actually make effective decisions, which is all components of self-mastery that, that I teach. And so 80% of the work that I was doing was, was helping them on that side. And, I'm, and it took me a while, I'm a little bit stubborn, you can say, and, but it took me a while to say, okay, pretty, this is what I need to focus on now because of business strategies and tactics. That's simple, I can give that to them in a heartbeat, but this is where they really need to level their skills is their self-mastery side. So it's really the first step is really being able to get them to the level. As you asked before, you know, what comes first, being the man or the entrepreneur? It's being that man first and then giving them the strategies and tactics from a business perspective to get uh, to really execute effectively because there's no point in being given a strategy or tactic if you're not going to execute on it 100%. And so things all paths led to this direction of me helping men specifically. And it's not that I don't uh, like helping women. There's uh, the odd woman that I help every once in a while. And I have female colleagues that I work with and collaborate with, but there's a huge need because there's very few people helping men and very few people helping male entrepreneurs specifically. Now there's a total side note to this as well in terms of why I'm doing this is because I also saw my father struggle as an entrepreneur. My father suffered from alcohol abuse. Him and my mom had an interesting relationship. They loved each other, but they didn't have the best communication skills. So they were committed parents, they were committed to each other, but they just had that love-hate relationship at times as well. And so I saw the struggles that they went through and I said, I do not wanna see other people go through that as well. And it was just a, a lack of resources. It's not that they didn't want to, it's not that they didn't try. Um, it was because they just didn't know how to. And so I just said, how do I help other men not suffer the way my father suffered? He lived a good life. Here's the reality. Most men live, uh, I'm not going to say this is, that's just a blanket statement. I'm going to say men will live a good life, but they will not admit that they are challenged inside, that mm. they are struggling inside. Outside, they may be making the money. They may have a relationship, but they don't have that level of happiness, that joy, that drive, that fulfillment, and that passion. Because more importantly, I'm a firm believer in passion. My wife knows this. Anybody that is around me knows 
that I'm pushing for passion. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 110% with passion. If I see someone I will and work with someone, I will only work with someone that wants to have passion in their business and in their life. I'm not here just to help people make money. That's not what I'm about. It's about living a more fulfilling life. And so that's a key component of it is because I do not want to see other men suffer like my father suffered. And my father passed away last year at 64 and a half years old. His goal was to make it to 65. And not that he was going to retire, but he just could say to himself, that was his milestone to say, I made it. He was still going to be an entrepreneur. He would still work. He was going to pull back a little bit. But that was his time to say, I raised a healthy family. I came here with next to nothing. I am now successful. Now I can actually enjoy my life to the level that I want to, or the degree that I want to. He never made it there. He died working from a heart attack by himself. And that was a huge, you could say, uh, that just pushed me even further because I said, that's it. It was almost like a message to me where he was saying, son, keep pushing forward. Yeah. Uh, and I know I'm talking a lot, Kelsey, but there's this, we're also at a flux uh, in our period in this time right now where men are challenged, where society is telling men that it's bad to be masculine. This whole concept of toxic masculinity is really not helping men because you have men now questioning how to be a man. And that's not doing anybody any good because now if they're questioning how to be a man, they cannot be effective in their relationship with a woman because now women are like, okay, well, what do I do? Do I take the lead or do I encourage my man? How does this work? That's not helping anybody. It's not helping men raise their children as well. And it's not helping them in business. And I see this a lot. I see a lot of men right now struggle because they're not able to step up to the level that they need to step up with or to, to be a successful entrepreneur. And so we have this huge pressure now. And a lot of it's actually starting to bubble up. You're starting to hear a little bit. There's more men being vocal about it, but not as vocal as they could be because they're afraid of being shunned. Uh, people will talk about it underneath, but not really speak up about it, that men need to be men. They need to be masculine. They need to express themselves in a masculine way. And so there's a whole dynamic of this masculine versus feminine energy that every human being has inside of them. And, and I could talk about this after, but it's an important thing because that balance is being shifted and men are being trained to not be men. And that's not helping them. It's not helping their families and not helping their children. So I help men align themselves so that they're in alignment with them, with who they want to be. And so they can come out with total confidence. They can come out with total clarity because those are the two most important things to have in life, you need to be confident and you need to have clarity because if you don't have that vision and you don't have the confidence and able to get there, you're kind of stuck spinning your wheels. And I see many men, and I'm going to say this from my personal experience, most men struggle from that perspective. So long story short, there's all of this stuff that's coming together that men really need to step up at this level. So there's this concept of manning up. And then there's giving them the resources, the tools, and the knowledge to be able to do that effectively. Otherwise, we get poor leadership and we see some pretty high people in some political positions, I'm going to say, that are leading with, um, very straight up, very poor skills and taking the world in the wrong direction. Yes. 
Yes, to all of that. I got, all right, so I mentally put a pin in a few spots. I'm going to try and do this chronologically. Yeah. But of course, everything has changed now too. Back to that day when you walked in and quit. So I did the same thing. I walked in and I was actually offered a big promotion. And that's when I said, no, thank you. I'm out. And so many people ask me, how did you do that? And I know my answer, but I want to know yours. Because so many people told me I would be too scared to do that. So how did you do it? Yeah, the first thing is, is being, looking at what you want from life. And so you can live the way that you're living and you have to accept it that if you're going to continue to do that. I wasn't willing to accept it. So the first decision is to say, are you willing? So that was me. I shouldn't say, you know, this is what you should do, but this was me. I, I was not willing to accept the life that I was continuing to live. And so I made that decision to say, I'm going to change it. The other thing was that I believe in, you can say the law of attraction, divine power, you can talk about spirituality. I'm not so religious from that standpoint, but you can, you know, people I think are driven to a path for a reason. And that was my path. I was given that moment in time to make a decision. And I chose the tougher path because A, I like to take risks. Uh, and I do things differently, but this was something inside. And I think that was the most important thing for me was it just felt right. It felt right. And I put the fear aside and I said, okay, if I felt no fear right now at this moment, would this be the right decision? And that just, that just told me everything. Mm. Yeah. And that's pretty similar to my experience for me. The way I summarize is I say it was scarier for me to stay than to leave. Yeah. Wow. To imagine being in that cubicle another day, that was way scarier than, and I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do next, (laughs) but it was way scarier to keep doing what I was doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And sometimes we do that. We, we fool ourselves into thinking that this is the way we should live. And we all have dreams. We, have all, we all have aspirations. It's interesting where NASA did this study and they followed children from the ages of two years old all the way up in, until the 30s and 40s. And they studied their creativity levels. And at the age of two, for example, they gave them a benchmark of 98%. By the time they were in their 20s, it was less than 10% creativity. So we, we literally shoot ourselves in the foot. We lose our dreams. We lose our aspirations as we grow up. And that's through environmental conditioning. And that's through our parenting, for example. And there's so many different perspectives on it. But we lose all of those dreams that we have. And we need to regain those dreams. We need to live to those dreams and actually step up and say, what is it that we really want out of life? What, you know, if, we, if I was a kid again, that's where we really step back. It, took, it was that moment when I look back when I was seven or eight years old that really helped me make that decision because I said that was a defining moment for me. And I cannot, I would be doing myself a disservice. I would be doing my family a disservice and I would be doing the men that I work with right now a disservice. I didn't know it was going to be specifically men, but some way, shape or form, I would be doing people a disservice by just living the way I was living. Through your story, because I'm seeing so much of it reflected in my story, I think, and I don't know if you can see this right now, but I'm just like, how cool is it that the universe was like nudging you along 
Like you had to do all of your schooling. Mm -hmm. You had to have that time in corporate to be able to do what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, this, it is, you know, it's it's great that you say that because every once in a while I, I forget that. And I look back and I say, wow, all of that knowledge that I accumulated, all of that experience, all of those struggles, all of those challenges. And there were times when I was a kid and I remember when my father, and I don't speak ill of my father because I love my father to death. And my, my dad was probably one of the best dads out there because he was such a loving person. He taught me how to love. He taught me that per, people are um, imperfect, that, that you have to have flaws in life, that you have to accept people's flaws, that you have to forgive people for who they are. Because my father knew that he wasn't being the best father that he struggled from alcohol abuse and he didn't know how to handle it. So everything that I say today about him is an acknowledgement that being with him and having him as my father is what created me in terms of who I am today. And all of those struggles, I remember in a moment with my dad, he would drink five days straight sometimes. And sometimes he would become verbally, like he was a big guy too. He was 240 pounds, six foot two. Like he was a big guy. And I was physically scared of him, but there was a way he, I was pretty much the only person he would listen to because I learned a skill in terms of how to deal with him, to get him to do certain things, to go to bed, to quiet down, to eat, to do those certain things. And so I, all of those skills that I learned right now in terms of dealing with people terms of being able to change people's beliefs and help them shift their habits so they're living a happier lifestyle it's all as a result of all the crap that i went through as a kid so you're absolutely right our paths are given to a certain degree we need to still take acknowledgement and say okay we you know we still have control but every time we have those crappy situations there is a bigger meaning behind it yeah we don't know what we're training for mm-hmm. until we get there and we're like oh I've been training this for, for this for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Exactly. Yeah. And Louise Hay says that we choose our parents. So I love that thought that, you know, maybe your little soul chose your parents chose your dad in particular. Who's like, this is, I'm going to school. Yeah. This guy is the guy that's going to teach me what I need to learn. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, I, that's a great way to put it. I love that we do. If I was to do it over again, I would absolutely change or choose the same parents. I would choose my mother. I would choose my father 110% because I know that And here's what differentiates it for me because I have, I have friends that are, I'm going to say extremely, extremely successful that they don't have to work. They're the five generations, 10 generations. They don't have to work. They're, they're paid for but I can tell you that the level of confidence, I'm not saying this to boast, but I've done, they come to me at times for insight, for advice, because they're not at the level of being the man that they want to be because they, there's something that they haven't worked through themselves that I worked through as a child that helped me get me to this point. And so that's where everybody is. You know, I heard this again today. Everybody is our teacher in some way, shape, or form. And so my parents were my teachers in in a lot of ways. Yeah, I was talking about that earlier today too. And you just gave me a little aha. So thank you. I've always thought, yeah, I've been working through this stuff for a while. 
I never quite realized that, yeah, I started working through this stuff really young. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks great. for that. <laughs> You're welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> um, masculinity. Yes. So these, so yeah, being, when you're saying successful, I'm guessing you're meaning they have a lot of money. So having a lot of money doesn't mean you know how to be a man. Doesn't mean that you are able to step into your most powerful version of masculinity. What is the most powerful version of masculinity? Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. So the first step is really understanding. So there's, when I say masculinity, I'm going to say there's a form of energy. So the most powerful thing that any human being, whether you're a woman or a man, is being aligned with your internal energy. And so that comes from three different components. And the first one is being present. And so presence is absolutely important because I hear a lot of people talk about time management. Time is your most important asset. It's not. It's energy. Because you can have all the time in the world, but if you don't have the energy levels to be successful, be resourceful, and actually utilize that time effectively, it's it's worthless. So I think most people need to understand this. Your energy is absolutely critical. And the first thing that you need to do is, is or a person needs to do to be in that state is to be present. Right. And being present in that moment, we talked about that a little bit before, but that's where we have our most energy. And if we take a look at the quantum physics behind it, there is no such thing as the future or the past. That's all in our head. So I encourage people to really focus on the present moment because you can have way more energy and more impact and be more powerful. That is the most important thing. The second thing is focus and it's concept of focus and unfocus. What ends up happening to in today's society is that most people are they have their, they live like an octopus. That's my analogy is they have their tentacles in 20 different areas. And so what they're doing is they're diluting their energy. So this whole concept of multitasking is not, it's honestly, it's been proven over and over again. We can talk about the neuroscience behind it is actually a bunch of BS. The only time you can multitask is if you are doing a behavior that's already memorized in your system, like walking, like running, those types of things. You cannot be sitting on your cell phone and trying to do a document or even driving and listening to music will reduce your effectiveness by 50%. And so this whole concept of multitasking needs to be understood. So if you want to be more powerful, you need to focus on the task ahead of you. That's the most important thing. And the analogy I use is like an ax. The reason why an ax can cut wood is it because it focuses all energy on a single point along the blade. And so it can split wood very easily because it's very focused. The other thing is unfocus. And a lot of us today, we live in a society where again, our thoughts are all over the place and we're constantly thinking about things that we need to do. Well, what we need to do sometimes is just let go of those thoughts. So traditional mindfulness exercises, meditation, it's very important because that's been shown now. 12 minutes a day will actually change the neuroplasticity of your brain. You can actually change your DNA. You can increase your memory. You can you actually get in touch with a higher level of thought. So you can actually be more creative. And so this is something, and again, I learned this when I was a child. And it's, again, it's very interesting. I used to meditate for hours as a child and I had no clue what I was doing and those were my moments of what I would say of being able to solve problems and 
if anybody is stuck in life, just letting go of things is the most important things because our thoughts are like helium balloons. And what ends up happening is that we have all of these helium balloons flying around everywhere. Sometimes you just have to cut the strings and let them go, let them fly free because that gives you space to actually think and actually have creative thoughts and actually come up with solutions to your challenges. Now let's get specifically into masculinity because this is very important. And Kelsey, you can cut me off at any time or ask me specific questions or change direction because this is a big topic. They're every human being, like the yin and the yang energy. This has been talked about for centuries is there is always a polar opposite energy. And so for masculine energy, there is a polar opposite of feminine and vice versa. Every human being has both masculine and feminine energy in them, both men and women. So I don't want people to confuse the fact of you're, you're a man, you have masculine energy, you have feminine energy in you as well. And so do women, you have feminine and masculine energy. And so the masculine energy, this is what it is. It's very solid. It's very still. It's very peaceful. It lets go of things. It's also very driven and very goal oriented. It's let's get stuff done, right? Let's achieve. Let's be successful. Let's make money. That's a masculine energy. The feminine energy is very graceful. It's very flowing. It's actually likes unrest, which it kind of stirs the pot a little bit. It likes variety. It's very creative and it's very connecting and very loving. And so what ends up happening is that there's this balance and we need to understand this balance in terms of when to use what energy. And so every man needs to have both energies because you cannot connect to your children. If you don't have feminine energy, you would be eating your children. You, you can't connect to any other human if you don't have any feminine energy, can you? You need to connect. And so it's not about so much about how much or, or how little. It's more about when to use it. It's just like leadership. It's very situational. So you have to know when to flex what particular skill. And so for men to be in that power, anytime that a man is questioning himself, for example, he's not in his masculine state. Anytime he's not being driven. He's not in his masculine state. So, and if there's any, what I'm going to say is sometimes I hear guys, I don't know if I'm able to say it on the show, but B-I-T-C-H. You, you I can say that. Yeah, bitching. And I, and I tell them, you know, if you're bitching, you're not in your masculine state. You're putting yourself in a different state. So get out of that state. Be completely confident. So that is the difference. And so, I think what has happened is we have a lot of men in powerful positions and based on society as well, right? Women were suppressed in a lot of ways. And I agree with equity and, and how women have become more balanced from that perspective. But we also have put a lot of men in positions that should be in positions of power. And they are looked at as being toxic and it's based on masculinity. It's not. It's actually immaturity and stupidity. Because a true masculine force, when a man is in his true masculine form and his force, he's totally confident. He doesn't, he doesn't feel the need to be overbearing. He doesn't have the need to overpower others because he has that total confidence in himself. And a woman in seeing a masculine man will feel that power and feel like, okay, I don't need to take that lead from that perspective. He's got, I feel confident. I feel, I feel strong in his ability from that standpoint. I don't need to overbear him. 
and overpower him from that perspective. So there's that balance that we have. I'll be completely honest. A lot of times men will put on a show because they don't have that masculine energy, whether it's in their business or in their house. I see a lot of guys get beat up in their relationships that turn out to be, I'm, I'm going to say overbearing at work. It's because they don't have that masculine side at home. So they're overcompensating for it in their business. And so there, that's where that, that, that balance is. And that's why I talk about being an alpha male. This whole concept of alpha male is a little bit misconstrued because alpha in Latin is actually beginning. It's actually the point of creation. It's a point of origin. That's what people need to realize or men specifically is it's good to be an alpha male. You have to be mindful though, because if you are not an alpha male, if you are not creating your future, then you are following, then you are letting someone else. So how do you define an alpha male? Oh, it's very, so someone that has complete confidence in their ability that takes the lead, for example, that is creating circumstances rather than sitting back and actually dealing with the circumstances that are given to them. And typically with an alpha male, you have, you have, whether it's your family, whether it's your employees, you have people that are taking, I'm not going to say direction, but that are following in the same steps or footprint or the goal or the vision that you have, because being an alpha male is not a title. It's not a position. And you'll probably see people in this, whether it's even in the sports world, for example, that people will naturally start following people or gravitate towards someone because they have confidence that this person can take the lead. That's what an alpha male is. So it's, there's alpha males and there's alpha females. They're just someone who takes charge of their life. Exactly. I wanted to clarify that because I think somewhere culturally alpha male can mean an asshole. Oh, it, it is. It's very misconstrued because yeah. it's like, it's that concept of, oh, I got to beat my chest and you're going to listen to what I have to say. No, as an alpha male, you don't have to do that because people respect your opinion because you are showing leadership. You are mm-hmm. stepping out there. You are taking the risk yourself. You're willing to put yourself on the line first and sacrifice yourself before you let anybody in your clan, your tribe, whatever it is in your family suffer. That's what being an alpha male is about. What role does vulnerability play in being an alpha male? Oh, it's important, especially when it comes to relationships. So it's important from two respects. A, you have to be vulnerable with yourself because if you're not vulnerable with yourself, you cannot grow, you cannot learn, you cannot be in touch with yourself. So being vulnerable with yourself is absolutely important. There was a thought that I had yesterday. I can't remember exactly what it was where I just had this feeling of, I can't remember, it was a, I think it was resentment. I can't remember what it was exactly, but I had to look deep and say, okay, where's that stemming from? So I had to peel back seven or eight layers to say, Hmm, this is an insecurity of mine has nothing to do with that other person has everything to do with my own insecurity. And I'm a very confident person, but this was bugging me. So I sat back and I said, okay, I need to be vulnerable with myself today. Pretty let's, Let's peel the onion. Let's see where this stems from. So that's one respect. It's absolutely important to be vulnerable with people that you want to connect with because connection 
comes from a number of different things. It comes from trust and it comes from vulnerability. You will connect with someone at a much deeper level by being vulnerable. It's not a weakness because when people see that, and this is, again, when I'm working with guys, people say, and I get this question a lot, how do you deal with guys? How do you deal with men that are already alpha men? Well, it's interesting, but I can break through in probably a matter of a couple of conversations. And the number one way to do it is being vulnerable myself. And so if I can explain that I'm flawed, that I have challenges, I've gone through those things and I've experienced those challenges myself. I have those same insecurities. Someone sitting in front of me will open up that much more as well. And so vulnerability is absolutely critical. And this again is so important because it's situational. And this is why a lot of relationships fail at times is because men are not vulnerable when they need to be vulnerable, when they need to connect with their spouse. There's times where, yeah, a woman just wants her man to be a man, step up, take charge, lead the way, don't bitch, don't complain. But then there's times where a woman wants her man to be sensitive and vulnerable and actually open up and share how he's feeling. And there's times where I have to sit down with my wife because she's like, what's, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? She knows something's not right. And so I'll put it off for a week and I'll say, I got this. I got this. I got this. And then when she's persistent, I'll say, okay, here, I'll open up. Let me be vulnerable because I know you need it to connect with me that much more. Yeah, she's a very patient woman. I would not give you a week. <laughs> yeah, you probably wouldn't. <laughs> Once I know something is bugging someone, yeah, we need to deal with that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, pretty. this time has totally flown by. Yeah, it has. Wow. So how can people learn more about you? Where can they connect with you? If they want to work with you, if they want to listen to your podcast, share all the things, please. Yeah, simply the, my website's the easiest way, themaleentrepreneur.com, or you can check out my podcast at mailpodcast.com. Fabulous. Thank yeah, you so definitely. much. This has been a blast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to be on your podcast and it's been great chatting with you. You too. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com, and there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.